Hello and welcome to the second episode of Russo's Podcast About Anything, and I'm Dave Russo, your host. After having about 70 listeners on my first pod, which is about 65 more than I expected to have, and getting some helpful feedback, here goes round two. Now, I do apologize for the first one. It was good info that I talked about, but admittedly I rushed through it. Like, you'd think I was trying to win a race or something. So I'll be working on that as I progress, and this time we'll be sure to slow it down. I thought about deleting it, but I decided to keep it around kind of like a, a bad tattoo, like a good reminder to not do that again. Now, I do have a few tattoos myself, and admittedly, I have one not-so-hot one. I was home on Christmas leave, and the girl I was dating at the time said, let's go get tattoos. And I said, well, I don't know what to get. She said, get anything. And that's exactly what I did. So now I have this ridiculous-looking two fishes interlocking tattoo on my wrist. I'm a Pisces, but I don't even believe in that stuff. And then secondly, we're going up there, and she goes, oh, the tattoos will be free. I'm like, well, why are they going to be free? She's like, well, he's a student. In my mind, I'm like, great, I'm saving money. Well, it shows because it looks like two dolphins now, and uh, the whole thing just isn't a good look. But anyway, it was also noted that it did have a lot of factual information on that first one, but it was also asked that I give more of my own opinion on the topics, which I can and will do. It's also incredibly flattering to know that my opinion is valued like that. It really is awesome to hear. Now, moving on to today's episode, I'm going to talk about scandal magnet Jeffrey Epstein. For those who don't know, Jeffrey Epstein is and was a convicted sex offender and allegedly committed suicide while in prison. Allegedly. Now, for any listeners, especially those with past trauma, I would listen to this episode with caution and hesitation. Jeffrey Epstein is a very bad dude, and he did a lot of predatory and perverted things to young women. I'll be discussing these things, but I'll do my best to keep that as non-graphic as possible. Now, moving on to the podcast. And if you go to RussoPodcast.com, you'll find some photos available with labels to act as a bit of a podcast companion. Early life. Now, early life, Jeffrey Epstein was born in Brooklyn in 1953. He graduated high school in 1969, well ahead of his peers at age 16. He was extremely intelligent, and make sure you remember that. He then attended college at the current Institute of Mathematical Sciences in New York, but left without obtaining a degree. He doesn't even have a bachelor's, which is particularly odd considering after this, he gets a job teaching physics and math in Manhattan at a private school. So... He doesn't have any credentials, and he's getting a teaching job at this point, which is odd. That would be like me claiming to be an investigative journalist because I've listened to a couple of podcasts, and I discovered how to move around Wikipedia. It was always constantly noted how intelligent Epstein was, and he had an absolute knack for finances. One of the students at this private school's father was the CEO of Bear Stearns, which was a New York-based investment bank, securities trading, and brokerage firm. Epstein then gets in good with the CEO and lands himself a job at Bear Stearns as a floor trader and quickly becomes an options trader and was working with the bank's richest clients. The successor to the original CEO took note of Epstein's unique skill set, praised him, and made him a partner. He then left Bear Stearns in 1981 due to a regulation violation. Now this is where Epstein's financial career really takes a turn and he starts investing in himself both status-wise and money-wise. He fancied himself a financial bounty hunter and consulted governments and the very rich in regard to embezzlement. Now at this point he's really starting to get an ego about himself and he's trying to really build him up status-wise, kind of a wannabe international man of mystery. He's trying to surround himself with the wealthy women like a James Bond slash celebrity money guy. And it's at this point Epstein was even beginning to claim that he was an intelligence agent. To this day, it's still unclear as to whether that is an accurate statement, but it will be brought back up towards the end of the episode. 
1987, he was hired by the Tower Financial Corporation by Chairman Stephen Hoffenberg, which was a collection agency that bought people's debts that they owed to hospitals, banks, things of that nature, etc. He and his partner fancied themselves to be corporate raiders, which is when said raider purchases a large stake in a publicly traded company in order to manipulate the shareholder rights, then they can just kind of manipulate that company because they own that stake. Turns out, Tower Financial was just a huge Ponzi scheme, collapsed, and cost its investors $450 million. A Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud. Long story short, you essentially pay your early investors with the money from the later investors. The scheme part comes from lying to all the investors that the money is actually coming from businesses and investments. But, guess who left the company right before all of that happened and everything crashed? That's right, Jeffrey Epstein, already a snake in the grass in the 80s. Here's how shady this setup was at Tower Financial. They had a three-floor setup in New York City on Fifth Avenue with two floors of cubicles with people just pretending to work. Like they would, they're going into the phone book, they'd take random names, numbers, and addresses, and they claim that those are the people that owed them debts. Then they would bring in potential investors, show them the lists, and then the people in the cubicles pretend to be hard at work trying to contact that money to make impress the potential investors and say like, oh yeah, these people owe us all this money. I like to imagine at this point, Epstein's kind of imagining himself like uh, he's kind of underneath like a Gordon Gecko poster playing with himself and watching Wall Street on a loop. Now, upon leaving Tower Financial, Epstein then started his own financial management firm for millionaires and billionaires. And for some odd reason, many of the clients were kept private, except for one billionaire, Leslie Wexer, who we'll be, I'll be covering momentarily. In 1996, Epstein relocated and based his firm out of the Virgin Islands in order to cut his federal income taxes by 90%. This guy already likes islands. For the next decade or so, Epstein then started owning businesses and got into hedge funds. It's in this next decade that Epstein finds himself in court for the first time. So it's at this point that I'd like to talk about some of the background for Epstein and some of his associates beginning in the early 2000s. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and then talk about some of the other players in this game. Now, there's a few of them, so it's going to take a few minutes to go through them. It's not so convoluted as a Game of Thrones plot, but going through backgrounds and then followed by quick recaps, I personally think this will help everyone out in the long run. So first, Stephen Hoffenberg. Stephen Hoffenberg was a chairman of Towers Financial Corporation, one of Epstein's early employees, the Ponzi scheme, the same place that Epstein abandoned right before the collapse of the corporation. Stephen Hoffberg served 20 years in prison with a $1 million fine and owed $463 million in restitutions. Epstein got off with nothing. Leslie Wexner, or Les Wexner. He is a billionaire businessman and the public patron of Jeffrey Epstein. Les Wexner is the founder and CEO of L Brands Corporation. His conglomerates include Bath & Body Works, Victoria's Secret, and some smaller companies and larger company branches to include... Lane Bryant, Abercrombie & Fitch, and Express, which is too bad. I liked Express. Wexner is believed to be a primary source of Epstein's early wealth, and Epstein had full access to Wexner's enormous compounds. Said compound was allegedly used to sexually assault minors. He is currently worth $6.1 billion, and for a long time he gave Epstein powers of attorney to all of his money. Delane Maxwell Born in 1961 in France, Delane Maxwell is the youngest of nine children, and her father was Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell was an extremely wealthy member of British Parliament, a media mogul, and a fraudster. Ghislaine Maxwell first met Jeffrey Epstein in the early 90s, and they dated for a period of time. Although the romantic late relationship only lasted a small period, Ghislaine Maxwell remained close to Jeffrey Epstein until about 2015. Jeffrey Epstein called Ghislaine Maxwell his best friend, and she often lived with Epstein, 
advised him and assisted him, and was his closest confidant. It is through Ghislaine Maxwell that Epstein met Prince Andrew, Duke of York. Prince Andrew, Duke of York. Prince Andrew is the second son of Queen Elizabeth II and is eighth in line of succession to the British throne. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's also a vice admiral in the Royal Navy. As of 20 November 2019, he has suspended most of his duties to his connection to Jeffrey Epstein. Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz is a lawyer, former Harvard Law professor, and a political and celebrity advisor. He has defended O.J. Simpson, Jeffrey Epstein, and Harvey Weinstein. Virginia Roberts. Virginia Roberts, or now known as Virginia Gouffray, was recruited in Mar-a-Lago, Florida when she was 15 years old by Ghislaine Maxwell. Virginia Roberts has accused, has accused Epstein of sexual assault on her, as well as being ordered by Epstein to sleep with Prince Andrew on three separate occasions. Maria Farmer. Maria Farmer is another accuser of Jeffrey Epstein. In addition to accusing Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell of cooperatively sexually assaulting her, Maria Farmer has brought to light that Jeffrey Epstein has cameras throughout all of his homes constantly recording to include bedrooms and bathrooms. So, now that we know some of the principal characters, we can now step into Epstein's initial legal issues and dealings. In 2005, Palm Beach police were contacted by a woman alleging that her 14-year-old stepdaughter was taken to Epstein's Palm Beach mansion and was paid to massage Epstein with both parties being near nude. This prompted an investigation by the Palm Beach police and the FBI that lasted over a year and added on five more alleged victims and most were underage. This investigation would confirm what Maria Farmer had accused Epstein of. He was indeed recording his home as well as hanging photos of the young girls in his home. As the investigation continues, an additional 34 more young girls were found to have been hired by Epstein for, quote, massages. The more often the same girls kept coming over, the more the massages progressed into a more sexual nature. One of the allegations include that Epstein had 12-year-old triplets flown in from France for his birthday. At this point, Epstein hires a team of lawyers headed by Alan Dershowitz who began negotiations with the FBI. Prior to negotiations, Palm Beach Police wanted to charge Epstein with four counts of unlawful sex with minors, one count of sexual abuse. After Alan Dershowitz intervened on behalf of Epstein, everything was dropped down to one count of aggravated assault with no intent to commit a felony. What could have possibly been said to work down statutory rate to an assault, I don't know. From there, a grand jury then lessened that down to a felony charge of solicitation of a prostitution, of a prostitute. And not solicitation of a minor, solicitation of just a prostitute. Now that was the Palm Beach police investigation. Now the FBI steps in. The FBI, who even gave Epstein his own operation name, Operation Leap Year, then worked a plea deal with Alan Dershowitz, who was able to grant immunity to Epstein for most charges because, quote, Epstein belonged to intelligence, it was above their pay grade, and to leave it alone. By the time the FBI and U.S. attorneys were done, Epstein had two felony prostitution charges. He's a Tier 3 registered sex offender, which means it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life, and you're considered highly likely to be a repeat offender and he had to pay out three dozen victims. Now, in 2008, he was finally charged for soliciting and procuring a prostitute under the age of 18. And just wait until you hear the conditions, conditions of his sentencing. 18 months in the private wing of a non-state jail where normally sex offenders go to state prison. And then, after the first three months, he was set up on a work release program, which means six days a week he could leave the jail for up to 12 hours at a time and outside of the normal week relouses, of course, he was allowed to come back at the come-and-go times. He was allowed to go work at a charity foundation, which he created right before he had to report to jail, and disbanded as soon as he left jail. And then, even when he left, or excuse me, even when he was in the jail, his door was 
kept unlocked and he had access to the attorney meeting room with a TV and a telephone. This sounds more like just having to go to work for long days under poor conditions, kind of. And according to his victims, he was still soliciting, soliciting underage girls for more massages and sex while on the work release program. And then he gets released early on probation and just keeps visiting his little St. James Island. Once the criminal cases were ending over 10 years ago, that is when the first of the civil cases started. Now, there's too many Jane Doe's and name victims to go through them all, but two of the names are Virginia Roberts and Maria Farmer. The average age of all these accusers and or victims appears to be around 16. Maria Farmer accused Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell of sexual assault, of stealing nude photos of her younger sisters, including a 12-year-old, that Maria used for her art, and then of sexually assaulting her 15-year-old younger sister at multiple locations, to include both of them being assaulted at Les Wexler's mansion. Virginia Roberts has accused both Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell of sexually assaulting her several times, running a child abuse sex ring, and trapping her out to elite folks to include Prince Andrew and Alan Dershowitz. Through manipulation and abuse, Virginia Roberts was forced to recruit multiple underage girls. Virginia Roberts also claims that Ghislaine Maxwell and other benefactors taught her how to please Epstein and Epstein's friends in manners of massage, oral sex, intercourse, toys, and were often filmed and photographed. Virginia Roberts claimed that Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell ordered her on three separate occasions to spend time with and eventually have sex each time with Prince Andrew. When Virginia Roberts met Prince Andrew the first time, she was 17 years old, and Epstein told Prince Andrew, quote, You better hurry. Soon she'll be too old. If you look at the podcast companion on RussoPodcast.com, you'll see a photo of three people. A middle-aged man on the left, a young blonde woman in the middle, and a dark-haired woman on the right. That's Prince Andrew... Virginia Roberts at 17 years old, and Ghislaine Maxwell. Note how far Prince Andrew had his arm around young Virginia Roberts' waist. Virginia Roberts claimed that her and Prince Andrew danced all night, took her back to his room, bathed with her, and then had sex with her. This would occur two more times. A recent interview with Prince Andrew, which was pretty embarrassing, when asked if he ever met Virginia Roberts, he copped out, claiming he couldn't recall. When asked about his associations with Epstein, he said his attorneys advised him not to comment didn't even or couldn't even try to lie his way out of this. Further recently unsealed testimony from Virginia Roberts testified that Ghislaine Maxwell also ordered her to give erotic massages to Glenn Dubbin, Marvin Minsky, Governor Bill Richardson, an unnamed prince other than Prince Andrew, an unnamed foreign president, and a well-known prime minister. One very consistent fact among all these testimonies across all the James Doe's and named victims there are some very repeated facts that keep recurring, including a consistent and accurate description of a massage room. Always described as a room with a massage table in the middle, surrounded by sex toys and lubricant, and erotic imagery on the walls. Here's why that is important. On July 6, 2019, Jeffrey Epstein is arrested at an airport in New Jersey on sex trafficking charges, and he was taken to the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City, a holding jail. At the same time of his arrest, FBI agents raided his Manhattan townhouse. Aside from a lot of evidence of sex trafficking, they found hundreds to thousands of nude imagery and photos of young girls, CDs of more photos of young girls, photos on the walls, and a room. A room with a massage table surrounded by sex toys and lubricant. Cameras were in almost every room and were constantly recording. Now we shoot over to his grand jury indictment. The indictment states that dozens of underage girls were brought to Epstein's homes and his island for sexual encounters with Jeffrey Epstein and for further trafficking. Epstein's lawyer offer a $600 million bond for bail, 
and the judge denies it. Good. Epstein will remain in the Metropolitan Correctional Center, which I'll refer to as the MCC from now on. And if you look anything up on this place, it is not a good place to be. A few days after the, after the initial raid on his Manhattan home, they go to Epstein's private island in the Virgin Islands, known as Little St. James. Epstein grew to call it Little St. Jeff's. The locals and the employees on the island grew it to call it the Island of Sin, Orgy Island, and Pedophile Island. Overhead imagery shows a main home, three adjacent buildings to include a library and cinema, what appears to be four cabanas, a helicopter pad, and a last building that's designed and colored different from the other buildings with their stone sides and light blue roofs. It's a square building painted a white, or striped white and blue like the flags of Greece or Israel. There are golden statues of animals like old Greek deities and a large gold domed roof that's since blown off due to a hurricane. It's a temple. And there are doors on it designed to keep people inside. I've put a photo up on the companion. Now, I get wanting a private island if you have hundreds of million dollars. Like, just a place where no one can find you, I can just be left alone. I don't get a temple. What are you doing on that temple? Now, here's the real question. What is going on in that temple? Some people claim it's a music room. Epstein was a classically trained pianist. But, during the FBI raid, a YouTuber named Rusty Shackelford flew a drone over Little St. James during the raid and it showed an overturned bed in the building. Just in case you need to take a nap during your music session? The drone footage also showed more of the doors designed to keep people in. There's a slot on the outside of the frame designed to place, designed to place a bar in order to keep people inside. The footage also shows a door nearby the temple leading into the ground below the temple. That means there is some kind of underground structure or at least a room and most likely leading to the temple floors due to its proximity. So, until the FBI raid's discoveries are made public, we may never know what the purpose of that temple is. And now, remember that this is an island. Ghislaine Maxwell had her helicopter license and would fly Epstein and his associates into the island, but a helicopter doesn't have the greatest distance range. So Epstein would fly people in on his private jet, which grew to be known as the Lolita Express. For those who are unaware of the term Lolita, in its connotations, Oxford Dictionary defines Lolita as a sexually precocious young girl. The Lolita Express is a Boeing 727 and was used to shuttle Epstein and his associates, as well as underage girls, between New York, Palm Beach, Paris, and Little St. James. Inside the plane, you'll find a custom-made jet that can house up to 29 guests, top-of-the-line furnishings, a large galley, a bedroom, and padded floors. His former pilot of 20 plus years openly admitted he knew that there were minors being brought on board, but claimed that he didn't know that they were having sex with them. Epstein's victims claimed that there were wild orgies aboard the plane and that the padded floors were specifically made for mid-flight sex. And who were some of Epstein's guests about, above the flights? Proven patrons thanks to flight logs. Countless Hollywood elites. Alan Dershowitz, Ghislaine Maxwell, Prince Andrew, Kevin Spacey, and former U.S. President Bill Clinton, who took 26 trips on the Lolita Express. There's a picture in the podcast companion of Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton together on the Lolita Express. Now, we're going to jump ahead to July 23rd. Jeffrey Epstein is found in his cell with injuries on his neck. Epstein claims it was cellmate who was awaiting trial for murder, but Epstein's associates and other inmates claim that Epstein and his cellmate actually got along. Just to be safe, Epstein is placed on suicide watch. Six days later, he's removed and put back into his original cell. Now, at this point, since he is a prior suicide risk, he is supposed to be checked on every 30 minutes by guards, but that quickly began to just no longer occur. Here's where it gets weird. August 8th, Epstein signs his will. 
On the night of August 9th, Epstein's cellmate was transferred to another cell and he was not replaced by a new inmate. The two cameras in front of Epstein's cell failed to function that night. The guards didn't check on him for eight hours. At 6.30 a.m. on August 10th, Jeffrey Epstein is found dead in his cell at the MCC. It is claimed to be a suicide. The original autopsy said that Epstein died by suicide via hanging. Michael Baden, an extremely seasoned pathologist who was even working on the JFK case, was brought in, and he has another theory. He says that there were broken bones in Epstein's neck that are more akin to a homicidal strangulation and are extremely rare to be broken in suicidal hangings. Alright, now, I have thrown a lot of information your way, and these are just the wave tops of everything available for research on the internet, and I highly recommend you do a little reading on this, so I'm going to start wrapping things up here a little bit. So, first, talk about some of the more recent revelations and news. I'm going to open up my web browser right now. I am going to Google, uh, typing in into the search bar, Epstein, and then I type in for conspiracy, C-O, Epstein Cole, Epstein Coroner, N-S, Epstein Construction, Epstein Constitutional Law, conspi that's weird, I typed the P in and everything just disappeared. Odd that. Hmm. Okay, so we can't even Google search it, looks like they're trying to hide some stuff. Now. The both prison guards have been arrested. Those two guys who were supposed to be watching him that didn't watch him for eight hours, both have been arrested. Now, here's what's going to happen with these guys. I think these guys are going to talk and say everything that needs to be said. They're going to be paid to stay silent and just eat a jail sentence, or they're going to die. Now, uh, a picture was came out in August of Ghislaine Maxwell at an In-N-Out in California. In the in the what looks like a stage photo, she's reading a book called The Book of Honor, The Secret Lives and Deaths of CIA Operatives. So is she trolling us? Or does it go back to saying that maybe Epstein really was some kind of intelligence operative? Maybe CIA? Maybe Mossad? Which would make sense, because if you really want to be able to extort somebody, why not have proof of them via recordings, video recordings, plane flight logs of them, and solicitation of minors? And one last thing to keep in mind for this. 60 women, at the least, have been sexually assaulted by Jeffrey Epstein that we know of at this moment. So, some final questions. Where is Ghislaine Maxwell? No one has seen her since August. Prior to that, she was barely in the limelight. She was not at Little St. James Island during the FBI raid. Where is Ghislaine Maxwell? Secondly, who is to be held accountable for all of this? Where does this case go? Jeffrey Epstein is dead, so the case is essentially stalled at this point. That's BS. These people deserve justice, and everyone deserves to know what happened, not just who was involved in that plane, Little James Island, who were Epstein's associates, how did Epstein die? We deserve an answer because this is such a dark, grim thing that affected so many people's lives. This can't stay covered up. People deserve to know what happened and just how deep it goes. All right, well, folks, I think that's a good place to end it. If you did listen to this, my gratitude for that has no end. If you have a topic you'd ever like me to talk about or want to come on the show yourself to talk about something, please, by all means, reach out to me. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all available podcast directories, and whenever possible, please leave a five-star review. I'm now officially available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Additionally, you can go to russopodcast.com and see if I have any information on upcoming podcasts. Well, ladies and gents, I suppose that's about it. I'd like to end this episode with a great song with a fitting title. It is from 1967 by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. This is Tears of a Clown. Have a lovely rest of your day, and remember... Epstein didn't kill himself. Mm-hmm.